This week, I'm talking about influence, how it can be a good thing, a bad thing, and something we all crave. Take a listen. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And you know what got me started? What made sure my voice got out there? It was Anchor. And why did I choose Anchor to host my podcast? Well, easy. It was free. And they have all these amazing tools built right into the app. So it's really easy to get started and get your voice out there. And the best part, they make sure to distribute your podcast everywhere it needs to go, like Apple, Google, Spotify, and so much more. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Listening to Musings of a Modern Muslim with Freeney. Episode 17 Under the Influencer. There's much to be said about influence and having influence and how important influence can be. Influence is the thing that makes the world go around. It started the world, didn't it? And so this week I was thinking about influencers and how much power they hold. Now I'm not against becoming an influencer or being influential, they can be good things. But there is also a problem of being too much under the influence. And I'm not talking about drugs or alcohol here. So this week, I sat with my friend Abda Minhas, and we discussed influence and how it can affect you, affect the people around you, affect your family, and affect everything. So before I get into it, let me introduce you to Abda. She is a licensed professional counselor supervisor. She received a BA in psychology at the University of Houston and has a master's in clinical counseling psychology. She has been passionate about promoting mental health, especially for the Muslim community, and founded MAPS. She is working diligently to work and promote mental health in multicultural communities. So without further ado, take a listen. Thank you again, Abda, for being here on Musings of a Modern Muslim. I do appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So we're going to be talking about influence and influential people because I really think this is an important topic. Today, I want to focus on influence that people have and the society has. So right into the first question, in your professional opinion, what is influence? Well, first of all, thank you for covering this important topic because I think this is something that I think a lot of us feel in some way or shape or form, you know, influenced by others. Um, So a really good textbook, you know, definition, uh, what does influence mean? You know, as a a verb, influence is defined uh, and means to um, affect or change someone or something in a direct or indirect way, usually in an important way. You know, so something or someone that influences a person thing or then influences what that person does or behaves. And so certainly I think influence can be a very powerful psychological phenomenon. So a lot of a lot of ways influence and influential people really affect the way we feel and think and behave. So that is a very powerful relationship to have. I feel that because influence and this influencer culture that we are suddenly going through. Mm-hmm. But I feel that now with influence becoming more and more of a catalyst, um, is influence an age-related issue where younger people are more under the influence versus adults, men versus women? And then your thoughts on this. And again, we're talking about influence as in influencers and influential people. So I don't, I don't believe that, you know, that one set of group of people or age is a factor in in influence you know and think that we could really truly be influenced by any way and anybody in any age group certainly Mm -hmm. developmentally for 
there is an aspect that, you know, adolescents and their for and children, you know, their brains really follow what they're they're being directed to do. You know, for children especially, they're influenced by their parents. They they have they modeled a lot of their behaviors from and formulate opinions based on what they're seeing their parents do. And you know, for adults, obviously they don't have the same capacity. Um, and of course, adolescents are the same. You know, at, as children grow up and they go into adolescence, a lot of times they're influenced by their friends. You know, they're they're formulating their own identity. So they, they may be influenced by their cultures, their experiences, their friends, their parents, of, of course. Um, and then adults, you know, were, were as older people with, you know, with more brain development, um, you would imagine that, you know, we're not as influenced as, as adolescents or children, but that's not necessarily true. You know, if you look at socially where we are, um, anytime that you put on Facebook or anytime you go on Instagram, you see somebody's picture and you see mm -hmm. a, a really happy picture of them or really something they've written on Facebook, you naturally assume, oh, they must be happy. I'm not happy, right? Like that, it creates a lot of dichotomy. So even as adults, we are influenced, right? I mean, even as adults, we follow different leaders, we follow different um, community members, we follow different uh, political heads and people in the spectrum of where we live in communities. Mm -hmm. And so certainly we are also uh, also influenced as adults. So that doesn't go away, you know, once you become an adult. And men versus women, uh, certainly, again, not not a huge dichotomy, right? It just depends on personality. It just depends on where you come from. And uh, men and women are influenced pretty much the same way, perhaps in different ways, like men may be um, more analytically influenced by, by, you know, professionals or community members. Um, and again, not always, but generally speaking, women tend to be more on the spectrum of, of emotional influence. So they may be more influenced emotionally by different things that they're experiencing. I can see why women and especially girls, young impressionable girls fall into this idea that so-and-so has this or that person is saying to buy that and we should do it. Mm. And if it's not done, it becomes a issue of contention. But then also, you know how we say that we should have our own thoughts, doing our own research and having educated ideas, no mm. matter what your age group or your gender, that we as a person should not just be blind followers. We should look at things and find out things. And we should also be open to new ideas. Yet mm -hmm. as a society, why do you think we place such importance on the pains of an influencer and just follow them almost like blind faith? I think part of it is that we want relatability. You know, we, we want community as, as human beings in general. You know, I think, I think part of, part of why influence, you know, influencers and people in the community that do, you know, I would say a lot of times really good, powerful work, um, do make an impact, do make a difference is because human beings do thrive from community. You know, they do like the communal living. Um, even if you have a personality difference, like if you have an introvert versus an extrovert, uh, there is certainly still something that, you know, the human mind thrives from when you're in a setting where you get your needs met socially and communally. And a lot of times, you know, that is why influences can be powerful. You know, they really drive into our psyches. They really help us uh, build on ideas that we either lack or we feel very confident about, you know. So, um, for example, um, one of the things that really um, stuck to me, you know, personally as, as somebody who's working in the community that sees adolescents and, and, you know, coming back to adolescents and how we have this 
kind of comparison that we all do. Um, you know, a lot of times it is very powerful uh, to also compare ourselves to others, right? Like what they have, mm-hmm. what I don't have, what, you know, she or he may be lacking. I may not be, uh, I may not be able to do or have. But if you felt very confident in who you were, if you felt comfortable in your skin, if you felt comfortable in your body, if you really had that confidence within yourself and you were getting these external factors and influencers saying like, oh, you should look a certain way. And if that didn't really affect you mentally or psychologically, you wouldn't really care, right? Like, and I, so I found that meme to be so powerful, you know, and that's a really good example how we are all influenced, including adolescents. Oh, definitely. Adolescents, I think just because of all that's happening in their bodies and their minds at the age that they are, it's just so much easier to influence that age group versus like toddlers, I think just cannot be influenced at all you can try your best and it just doesn't work yeah <laughs> mine yeah. certainly doesn't mine right. mine oh, we try but it doesn't work right right well and, you know and maybe there's something genetically in that right like maybe maybe the genetic code is telling us that you know it's okay to be a little resistant sometimes like it's okay to formulate your own opinion so hey you never know right like you never know what the biomechanical uh physiology and psychology behind that might be Oh, that child definitely has opinions and he's only three. So he has it. He has his ways. Uh, but, but you know what I also think with this whole idea of influence and then, but also does it seem like the easy way out? Like we don't have, we don't want to put in this effort or work into, for example, let's say a celebrity is selling a face cream that this is the best face cream for you. Whereas we could sit down and do the research like, oh, is this really the best one for us? Are there other comparable, maybe uh, less expensive options? Oh, you know what? So-and-so uh, is selling it and they have great skin. So I'm just going to follow it's this. Do you think it's just easier for us to take someone else's word for things? You know, I, I, I would say yes and no, right? Like I think, I think it is easier in a sense that we don't have to think about making a choice. You know, it's easier in a sense that you start really thinking, well, if somebody really powerful and, and, you know, really with a lot of accolades and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fame and, and a lot of followers is able to uh, promote a product, then certainly it could work for me too. Right. Like it's interesting though, with something even like a phase product, we blindly follow and you don't think about like, you know, what is actually like my genetic skin type, right? Like could this product actually even be relevant to me? So skincare absolutely is, I think is a great example to use uh, for Hain because a lot of times, uh, do you even have the same genetic makeup as a celebrity that's promoting this product, right? Like do they even have the same skin concerns as you? More than that, a lot of times, um, are they also using other creams in lieu of this face cream, for example, they're able to do certain things and we're not able to, right? Like either genetically or physically or mentally or psychologically, we may not have the same capacities as the other people we're trying to follow. True. And it's, it's just easy, right? Isn't it? The whole idea, is if, it's, if someone else already done the work for me, why, why not? Just take right. their word for it. Right. Um, right. That's a po- there's power in that. We think that it can be relevant to us, right? And that's so when, when you're saying that it's easier in that sense, and yes, I can see that uh, being an easier choice because you don't, you don't have to actually analytically think about it. You know, you just kind of follow. Yeah, yeah. And, and because that's how advertising works. That, right. The Absolutely. whole point of advertising is to influence our decisions on right. whatever they're trying to sell us. Right, absolutely. Um, the next one, what are some of the pros and cons of being influential? 
you know, that's a really great question for Hain to be able to, um, as we're dialoguing about this, I think really to be able to talk about is you're absolutely right. Like, you know, your last point that, you know, that's what advertising does. Advertising is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not a terrible thing that, you know, marketing can actually really relay messages to the masses, you know, in a really powerful, strong way. Uh, so there could, there could be a lot of pros in that, right? But the but the con in, be in some of these influential things that we follow, again, I think it was about the last point, which is that it may not be relevant to our experience, you know, individually. So a lot of times you can see a great, powerful, emotional ad, you know, about a parent figure or a father figure or, you know, a lot of advertisers, um, you know, use a lot of powerful messages like emotionally attuning with people and really making things relevant that, you know, that creates a, a powerful emotional reaction in human beings. But the thing that that could create a lot of cons is they may not be relevant to us, right? So it could be more emotionally damaging to a person to see some of these messages versus helpful, right? So mm. for, for some people, it may be um, very emotionally reactive to see a beautiful woman on TV and they're not genetically made up that way, right? So somebody who's their whole life dealt with obesity and now all of a sudden there's a powerful image of what a beautiful person needs to look like or what an attractive person per se looks like and they're never able to get there, you know, mentally that could be very challenging for them. Psychologically, that can really be very challenging. Or if you see a happy married couple on TV or on social media and you think, you know, why don't I have that? I can never have that. Statistically, believe it or not, as clinicians, Farheen, fighting mm-hmm. is not a bad thing in a marriage, right? Like there's no, there's not a real spectrum of a happily married person, right? I mean, I think there was a new study that I read recently that said a married couple fights at least two to three times a day, right? And it's the extent of the argument, of course, that we want to prevent as clinicians and encourage them to prevent. But at the same time, there is not that perfect happily married person right but if you Mm -hmm. are given images of that or what attraction is or what beauty is all day long of course you're going to feel inadequate and insecure because you're you don't have that so that's the con of it socially it doesn't apply to all of us that's true and i'm glad you mentioned the idea of when you see a happily married couple and this whole those two words together happily married right what does that even mean right because and you just say, you know, spouses can argue three, two or three times a day. I think I do five, six times a day. It's nothing that goes beyond like, you didn't do the dishwasher. You're supposed to do the dishwasher. That was, it's like a mini like blip. I mean, sure, we, we have arguments. We've had uh, major out- arguments and blowouts, but those are few and far between. Whereas more of them are just, you know, expectations not met. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that because I think with influencers, when they show only the positives of their relationship, the happy times, yeah, the everything's perfect moments. And you know what this whole idea in social media, there are these examples of people doing countless social media challenges. People are following that they saw another influencer do. And most of them can be benign and they're kind of silly. And I'll admit there's some of them are pretty dang funny, mm-hmm. but some can be drastic, even dangerous. Why do you think people crave this need to please an influencer? Well, you know, I think I think it's in the word for Hain, like the follower, right? Like, I mean, the the kind of the euphoric adrenaline rush that one feels when you do some of these challenges, right? And I, I imagine, and I, I as I've seen also, is a lot of these challenges are very popular with adolescents, right? Because they're going through this developmentally 
um, in their brain a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, hormonal rushes, a lot of adrenaline rushes, you know, a lot of um, even cortisol is high, meaning that's the stress hormone in the brain. Uh, so adolescents generally tend to be more stressed out, you know, because their, their bodies are going through so many different physiological changes. So a lot of times, you know, when you see this, this awesome, you know, quote unquote challenge happening. And yes, some of it is dangerous. Some of it is, you're right, it's funny and it's humorous. And, you know, myself included, you know, you can laugh at these things and they're entertaining. But at the same time, when they start bordering on you, getting more and more of that need or rush, what happens is that brain craves more and more of that rush. And I think that's when it borders on dangerous because, you know, what's my next high? You know, it's kind of like it almost borders at the addictive behavior that yeah exactly not enough right like i mean 100 followers is not enough i want to get to 200 followers i want more people to laugh at this like if if 100 people have laughed then i want to you know again quote unquote challenge myself to follow and make like 200 people laugh or 300 people and get the attention of 500 people if you're not getting that kind of attention let's say at home or from caregivers or in other avenues where you're mentally and and you know emotionally confident, then you're going to want to crave it in other avenues, right? Where almost every human being is that way, that, you know, when you feel pretty content in who you are, you don't often need need it, you know, outside of where you are. Um, And the attention too, right? Like the the, the high doesn't go away. You need more and more of that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in the celebrity culture, um, that is very powerful. You see that all the time with young celebrity uh, influencers, for example, they burn out very quickly because their whole yes. life, they're kind of contoured to believe that you have to do the next and biggest, right? That's why you see in celebrity cultures, there's, there's, there's almost like an attunement where they end up being in bad kind of behaviors, right? They follow, even though they're successful, they're powerful, they have lots of money. Um, unfortunately, they also don't have emotional connections using things like drugs or other, other addictions or other form of bad behaviors, if you will, to be able to follow or still get that craving or that that need for attention in some ways. It's euphoric. It gives you that high that I am able to make change happen. Mm-hmm. So do you think we all crave being that influential? You know, I think in some form we do, right? I mean, I think in some ways uh, that attention is not, it doesn't feel terrible, right? I mean, if, if a bunch of people are, you know, giving you a lot of attention and seeing how amazing you are and how great you are, um, and, and certainly there's, that doesn't mean that you don't have people that get trolled or get negative reinforcements on social media, especially, but, you know, generally speaking for a lot of influencers they're you know, the reason they're called influencers is because they get a lot of positive accolades. You know, they get a lot of positive reinforcement. So a lot of times uh, the human brain is designed for the pain and pleasure principle, you know? So if you are getting pleasure out of people telling you how and being complimentary and telling you how great you are all the time, uh, there is something you crave in that, you know, there is something that pleasure that you get out of that. Um, And then at the very same time, like if somebody tells you something negative, even in a small increment or criticizes you or gives you feedback that you may not like, that can hurt really badly too, right? So it, it creates kind of a dichotomy in the brain that, you know, either I'm, I have to be all good or all bad, right? Like even a small criticism is terrible for me or, or my mental health. Um, and, you know, your question going back to, which was that, do we all crave it? And I think in some capacity, yes, we do, right? Like we all need that attention. We all need that support. And, and it is very euphoric to use that word 
to feel that kind of uh, enlightenment or powerful in words that we receive, the messaging that we receive. And so certainly a lot of times when people hear that all the time or in, a, in larger capacities, it is something you crave for sure mentally, you know, psychologically, you crave that need for attention. Mm-hmm. And again, with, I, I think with the addition of social media in our society and seeing how influence works, you can pop up in your Instagram or Facebook and see how influence takes place. Um, it, it's very interesting that if you open up any social media app right now, Abida, it's after you'll see one image, two images, three images, and then the fourth is always an advertisement mm-hmm. because they know. And, and of course, we've all, I think, tested this theory, everyone has, where you will be mentioning something in the house, something random. Like, I, I think I said the other day, you know, we need to get some eggs and I don't, wanna, I don't feel like going out and, and getting them. And I, I saw like three ads for uh, shipped and Walmart curbside and all. And like, they're always listening. Someone's always listening. <laughs> yeah, big so, brother, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's so common now that I, I, I don't even fight it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I want this somehow make it happen. <laughs> but here's another uh, part to this, this whole idea of influence. We want to blame someone else all the time that I did this challenge and I ended up getting hurt, but so-and-so told me to do it. Why do you think that is? I, I think, I think part of it is that it's hard to accept blame. First of all, right? Like it's, I, I think naturally our brain is, is created to be defensive, right? I mean, and you know, psychologically, we really um, have not gone really far beyond that, right? We still feel we still feel fairly defensive of other people. You know, we feel fairly defensive emotionally when people start blaming us. You know, we start feeling that they're wrong and we're right, right? It creates kind of a dichotomy. And you know, absolutely, to take ownership also means you know admitting blame on ourselves. Like I did something wrong. Like something's wrong with me, and therefore I let another per- person influence me influenced me into doing something, you know, that was bad or terrible in some way. Yeah. And I think that to accept blame for anybody is definitely very difficult, right? I mean, we're talking about uh, relationships like in a marriage or family relationships. If, you know, if your husband or wife says one thing and we, we don't like it, uh, the very quick answer is no, I didn't No, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Like that's a very defensive answer. Um, and so that's how our human brains are automatically created, right? Like if somebody tells you you're wrong, our first really primitive answer is no, you're wrong. You know, um, they don't know what I'm talking about. You know, they don't know what I'm doing. Um, and that's why, you know, a lot of times for adolescents, what they're learning to do is have boundaries to, for healthier communication um, mm-hmm. but with spouses and other adults too, right? Like, I mean, taking blame, it feels like, you know, we're being, having to be accountable for our bad re- reactions or a bad behavior. So you mentioned relationships. Let's go in that direction. We see in cases of abuse where a person, either adult or child, is so under the influence of an abuser that they cannot see them in a negative light, no matter how much proof is out there. What is the psychological explanation for this and why? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's such a great, um, I think, avenue that we need to really cover, especially by influencers, right? Like, I'd say in the either the celebrity culture or anything that has to do with big, powerful leaders, um, you're right. I mean, we see it in all spectrums, really, right? Like you see it in your homes, you see it uh, individually, like in a person every day. 
dynamic, why don't we see them, you know, damaging or in a negative light? Um, I think it's the group mentality. It's the cohort mentality for one, right, on a, on a global uh, spectrum that, you know, we are people that do a lot of group following. So if a bunch of people say, like, say 20 people say this person is great and you're the odd one out that says, no, this person, you're not, you're wrong. This person is, is not great. Um, we don't want to be labeled as wrong. You know, again, it goes back to we don't want to be labeled as somebody that is not okay or worthy or, or doesn't have the same capacity like the like everybody else in the group does like group group mentalities are so powerful right group confirmations are so powerful so if a group says to you this is good and this is bad uh psychologically even if you believe internally like you have a feeling you have an intuition uh i don't know i don't like this you know believe it or not most people go out of their norm and out of their intuition to follow the group even if they don't believe the group to be right right? We see that in so many psychological studies. We see that in so many different, uh, you know, universal studies on, on mental health and psychology that groups are, con, you know, powerful confirmations of our value systems. So yes. on an individual basis for Hain, like when you have somebody in your home or somebody that you're living with, even um, if they keep telling you, listen, I'm good for you. You're nothing without me. You know, I provide for you. I'm the best person that can, that, that is worthy of your life. Like if you hear that day in, day out, and it feeds into your own insecurity that I don't deserve better, that person becomes, you know, almost important to us in a, in a negative way, but we don't see it negatively, right? Like, because they've told us for so many years, for so many, you know, moments that I am good for you. You know, you, you are, you are not worth what I can provide you. Right. So in abusive relationships, exactly. especially, um, you know, absolutely. We see that, that the psychological ex explanation is that they, they feed us these beliefs or values that we actually don't internally believe, but externally feel that we have to believe it. Certainly there is a lot of power in the way that people treat us and the way that we think that they should treat us. Isn't that the definition of influence when someone can make you feel so less than that even though this person is not a good influence, you think they are the best thing ever and that of you need course. them so badly. It's it, it, influence and drugs, just same thing. Same, same I think this going to the same, same uh, arena. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, someone who is under the influence of someone else. Let's say, you know, someone who is in a bad relationship and you can see the bad influence. How do you help them see the light? So to speak, especially if they hold the influencer again in high regard and they do, they think that this is the best thing ever, or let's say not even a person that they know in real life. Let's say your child is following someone on social media. You can see that this is definitely a bad influence. How do you help them? Well, you know, I have to say, I know for a lot of parents, this, um, maybe easier said than done. And, and in the moment, they certainly don't feel very influenced in their parent and their child's life as a parent. So, you know, when you have powerful social media influencers or YouTubers or other people that, you know, your child may be following, um, you can't match that, right? Like, uh, you know, most of the time, not always, you know, but a middle-aged dad or a middle-aged mom, or, you know, if they have adolescent children uh, and have a, a, other children, like, aren't able to do like, you know, crazy bike challenges or like, you know, ice challenges or things like that, right? Like you can't give them the same powerful 
uh, high that they may be looking at and, and watching all day long. Um, but parents are still by far mentally the most influential people in a, in a child's life, you know, even as adults, Farheen, believe it or not, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. how strong the oh, child connection I is. I believe it. I believe it. My husband says it all the time. He's like, you still listen to it. Your mom can say one thing and that's it. It's done yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is because, you know, parents, you know, not only do they, they actually give you life, but they raise you, right? So they are literally from childhood on for, for those that are raised by their children or other caregivers get to influence your behavior, right? But in mm-hmm. adolescence, because you're forming your own identities, and even in adulthood in some ways, um, you you formulate those identities based on the messages you receive from your parents, right? So yes, you can't match what the social media influence that your child may be receiving, but you can certainly limit it, right? As a, as a parent, you can definitely create boundaries where your child isn't watching YouTubers or, or social media influencers all the time, or you give them the more powerful message at home, right? So they don't always need that from their social media influencers, for example. Like you create enough, you know, contentment or pleasure or happiness in your home that the child may not always need to seek it out. You said as a parent, we need to give a better home. What are some key things that we can do to make sure that our kids are protected, not just from predators online, but also influencers online? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I would say, Farheen, the same advice that I give couples and families, communication, 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 right? Like, I mean, Mm. that is a very, very powerful thing that you can do for your child, like setting boundaries, right? Um, You know, I tell parents, like, sometimes it's so hard for them to hear words that are very charged by their children, like, you can't tell me what to do. I really hate you. You don't know anything about me. Um, Those are really hurtful words for us as adults or as parents sometimes, uh, and, and, you know, to hear and tolerate. Um, But, you know, for a child that's, that's an adolescent going through learning boundaries and safety, I think we have to learn to tolerate those words, you know, and, and I've told parents sometimes to be able to just set, say back to your child, like, I can imagine you hating me right now. It's okay, right? I, you can empathize with your child and say, I can imagine from where you're sitting, you must not like me very much right now, right? I can see that, right? I mean, I can see if I'm telling you not to do something that you really feel very excited about or happy about, um, and I'm telling you not to do that, you must not like me. Right? Like I am the I am the bad guy in your world right now. But my number one safety as a child, you know, as your parent for my child is safety and protection. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna do everything in my capacity to do that. And I I'm not I'm not saying that you have to do extreme parenting either, right? Like I mean, you can have a balance. Um sometimes, you know, you can even sit down and watch some of these YouTubers with your child if they let you sit down and really understand what your child might be learning, you know, and so, mm-hmm. in some ways, when we get really busy, social media, or even uh, TV, or things that the child is watching, you know, they become a part of their daily routine. So, you know, we just kind of ignore what's happening, right. But uh, sometimes, if we sit down and ask them, like, really understand from their perspective, like, what, what do you get out of that? Like, what is, what is it entertainment? Is it just like a basic kind of, uh, it's entertainment, and then you don't have to watch it anymore? Or are you really being influenced by some of these things, right? And mm-hmm. our value system, like, just like you told your son is, no, you still go to college, like, that's not an option, right? It may be an option for this YouTuber you're watching. And it may have worked for him. 
but it doesn't in our family, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that is something that you still have to do. And that is something that as a, as a form of success, that's something you still have to follow. Exactly. And, and I like how you put that where we assume many, especially a South, South Asian parents assume that if we put our foot down and be tough, that's how we'll gain influence. Whereas it's the opposite. If you bring yourself down to the child's level and kind of accept that, okay, you're not happy with me yeah. or I see an issue here. You bring yourself down to their level mm-hmm. is when you get true influence over them. That right. They're like, mom and dad really understand me. And I've, and I've seen that kind of in the difference because I went through it mm-hmm. and my husband grew up abroad. So schooling in Pakistan was very different than here. And you know, society is very different over there. So sometimes we notice that even though my husband is the fun parent, mm-hmm. I notice that my son will come to me with the, the real problems or he likes to show off to me more than his dad because yeah. I, I, I kind of dumb myself down to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say that very openly, like dumbing yourself down because I'm like, I can tell you all the answers and give you all this. But okay, I, I, what's the problem? Why right. is this bothering you? And what did I do to bother you? And those conversations, I think, as parents, we need to have more if we want that true influence on them to a point that I have my oldest one dreaming of MIT at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think when you, you're absolutely right, coming from a different culture, right, collectivist cultures, if you hear your child say to you, like, I hate you, you know, I can tell you professionally or clinically when I hear that, most parents are like, well, then I don't even punish them for watching YouTube. I punish them for disrespecting me, right? Exactly. And so you lose the point altogether, to be honest with you, right? Like then you really create a kind of a victim mentality in your child uh, where they start feeling like, well, this YouTuber actually gets me, you know, this person on social media that's telling me why I could be depressed and angry and upset gives me the right to feel what I feel, right? And if my, my, child or my parent punishes me and doesn't even listen to my feelings, then, you know, you create a dichotomy or rift between your relationship. So I often say, you know, communication and empathy can go a long way in almost any relationship. You know, if you, if your child says to you that I hate you because you took away my YouTube, yeah, I can see why you hate me, right? Like I'm taking away Mm -hmm. something that's very, you know, powerful, like almost addictive in your world, but I still have to protect you right? I mean, you might hate me now and that's okay, but hopefully you won't hate me in a few weeks or in a few years when you actually see uh, that this is not mentally healthy for you. It's, it's just so important. I think this conversation is necessary as even if you're not a parent, I think even if you have anyone in your life or you yourself that hmm, maybe I'm doing things because I saw it online. It's, it's time to re, you know, reevaluate. So I have two more questions for you and then uh, thank you for the time again. Uh, so is this idea of blindly following an influencer similar to a cult? Yes. So, uh, you know, it can be, right? It can be, I think. In some ways, it, it creates uh, this group mentality that we were talking about earlier, Fahim. Like a lot of times, um, people that, you know, follow, let's say, quote unquote, the cult culture, uh, they are looking for an identity, right? They're looking for a way to fit in. They're looking for a place in the, in the world, really, right? Like we all do. We all need that. Uh, but some of these behaviors, unfortunately, can be very unhealthy because they may play into our negative uh, needs as well, right? Like our needs to fit in and needs to, our negative self-esteem issues or insecurities or other things, you know? Um, and what it does, it doesn't help us grow as individuals, right? Like we all need to have a way to grow 
collectively, right? And but also individually, like the things that we can do outside of just the outside of the group. Um, and often it is people that that may be thinking outside of the box that can make really big, profound uh, things in this world happen, right? Like, be, I mean, powerful people like uh, like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or uh, you know, even Mark Zuckerberg, like all these people that thought out of the out of the box, box um, people like Elon Musk, you know, people that are really heavily, very intellectually gifted, very creative people um, did have to have to follow their own path to create very um, innovative ideas and products and things like that. Meaning that, you know, we don't always have to follow the, the, the horde that we're part of, like the herd that we're part of. Um, but in a cult mentality, you're being subdued to always think about what the group thinks, right? So you can't think outside of the box. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that is the parallel that you might see in influencers, right? If you follow an influencer blindly, if you just think about the work they're doing, you don't have a lot of critical thinking, right? You don't have a lot of criti critical questions that you may ask them. You just kind of mm -hmm. follow along with all the ideas they're giving you without doing your own research, without do doing your own work and self-help. Um, and, you know, we're blessed to be in communities where we have so much knowledge, we have so many things. Um, but it is also very powerful to learn knowledge on your own, right? Like to find ideas on your own. Like I always tell people, you know, I can provide you a direction, but to me, the impact that you'll get out of therapy is when you learn these tools on your own, you know, exactly that I can give you a path. I can give you a direction, but to me, powerful things happen when we do collaborative work, but then you also grow from that collaborative work. You know, you uh, like adolescents or families that come back and say, you know, you talked about A and B concept to me. And then I went and did my research and I found this great thing to relate to it. I think that's awesome, right? That I think that's great to be able to find your own resources, to be able to find your own footing and path, because that's how we all grow, right? That's how we can help the next generation grow as well. You have influence. What should you keep in mind that can affect your followers? What responsibilities should an influencer keep in mind with regards to their impact? Well, you know, I think that, and that's a, another great question. Um, I, I think responsibility is the word that comes to my mind, Fahim, when you ask that question. Like, you're, you have to be really uh, responsible for the the high regard that people might be giving you, right? Like, I mean, certainly there's a lot of celebrities and people that go on and say, well, you know, I'm a celebrity, you don't have to follow me. And it's true, right? They can say that because it, it withholds some of the responsibility they have from people. And they're right, right? They have that sense as an individual to say that they have that really, they have that right. So I can't fault them for that. Uh, but, you know, there is a responsibility still where people will follow you. You know, there is when you're in the limelight or when you have a lot of followers or when you have a lot of influence, people will listen to what you have to say. You know, people mm -hmm. do understand and really hold on to some of what you're saying. And that is the attachment that people, people feel to you. As an individual, you're right. Like you're not responsible for anybody's bad behavior. If they listen to something you said and they go out and do something in lieu of that or something, you know, really unethical or wrong or terrible, um, you are not responsible for that. I can, I can definitely agree with that, but we are still responsible for the words that come out of our mouth, right? I mean, there exactly. may be a lot of people that are very much influenced if they're following you, like, you know, sometimes even blindly, they are going to follow and hold on to every word that comes out of your mouth mm -hmm. and your behavior, right? They're going to really pay attention to your behavior. 
when you see strong, powerful people, leaders, or community members, you know, quote unquote, fall from grace, um, part of it is because people really feel disappointed that they, they aren't the person they imagined them to be, or the person that they claim to be even. And I like how you put that, that you have to have weight in your actions. Whatever you say, think about it. Whatever you post. I mean, these are nothing new. We always hear this, that if you're going to post something, say something, Mm -hmm. do your research and make sure that anything you post. Mm -hmm. So really as someone who even thinks they have marginal influence, not even big influence, just like a little bit of influence, should be very careful in what they're posting or saying or doing just so that they can maintain that influence and hopefully see it grow. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, words matter for him. Like, you know, from where I sit and what I've learned clinically and professionally is words do matter, you know, for almost all of us, I think the words that come out of our mouth, uh, we do need to be analytical in the way that, that we think about words, like right in therapy, we call it metacognition. You think about your thinking, right? Like most of us are very automatic. Like we give automatic responses, we give emotional responses. And like I said, I think that's how our brain is kind of designed to be, you know, universally, like anytime somebody makes us feel defensive internally for whatever reason, um, we want to give just a, you know, visceral, powerful, emotional response, like, you know, and, and often it's defensive, but when we give thoughtful responses when we think about what we're, th- we're thinking we can also give you know those meta responses that are often more powerful than they are emotive right emotive responses do often create um a lot of influences that may not be healthy or, or regarded highly and i think we just have to realize that we can gain influence we can lose influence and again if you think that it's a problem seek out counseling seek out <laughs> mental health professionals like yourself and like many out there because sometimes you need help to get through it and there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Absolutely not. You know, and I think a lot of times with especially good deep therapy work, I mean, you can really understand why you might be behaving the way you're behaving or why you might be giving the responses you're giving or why you're, you're thinking the way you're thinking. Right. I mean, I think that's why therapy to me is so valuable. Um, Not just professionally, but when I, when I, address it as a tool for other people as well is, you know, getting to our mental responses and our emotional responses can really help us also challenge the way we behave and in, in, in our everyday interactions as well, you know, so, so that's why I think they're a powerful tool. So I'm glad that you said that for sure. Thank you again. And thank you so much. Abdul. That's all the questions I had. And I think this is a very important topic. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And, you know, I appreciate you opening up this channel of communication for him because I think for almost all of us, we are, you know, influenced or influencing or, or, you know, being influenced in um, other ways, right? So whether you're a parent, whether you're a child, whether you're a sibling, whether you're a friend, you know, whatever roles you're playing professionally, personally, I think a lot of times we need to be aware of, you know, why we do certain things that we do, you know, and, and what does it feed into us? I think those are self-reflections. Those are, again, you know, metacognitions that we all need to have with ourselves. And a lot of times they can be the biggest ways that we can influence and change the world for sure. And there you have it, everyone. I hope this episode influences some of the things you're thinking about. That was a bad pun. I'm sorry about that. I just had to toss it in there. But really, think about it. If you feel that seeing things online is influencing the way that you feel about yourself, especially in a negative way, time to reevaluate. 
And always, thank you again to Abdul Minhas for taking the time to talk to me about this very important and relevant topic, especially in these days when we are influenced by so many things. Subscribe and like the podcast, rate it if you can, please. I'd appreciate it. Until next time, take care. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. You can follow Mom on Instagram at the Mod Muslim. You can email her at the Mod Muslim at gmail dot com.